I added one more podcast to the giant podcast bin. Now you have plucked that podcast out and started listening. I took my microphone and found some human folk. Then I recorded all the noises while we spoke. My name is Adam Buxton, I'm a man. I want you to enjoy this, that's the plan. How you doing, podcasts? Adam Buxton here. Thank you very much indeed for joining me for another podcast. Let's just take a listen, shall we, to the sounds of nature out here on a path in the countryside of East Anglia. Rosie is up ahead, sniffing around in a ploughed field, seeing if she can discover gold buried long ago by the people that walked these lands, the pilgrims, the Vikings, and the hoodies. Okay, let me tell you about this week's podcast. It's number 42, which features a conversation with writer, actor, and comedian Bridget Christie. Bridget has appeared numerous times on television. That's the big new thing, isn't it? It's like a window that shows you people and places from all different parts of the world, but mainly America. Bridget has written and performed 11 Edinburgh Festival shows over the years. Holy Moses, that's Richard Herring-style levels of crazy commitment to the art. And in 2015, Bridget wrote a book called A Book for Her, The title is a reference to her award-winning Edinburgh show, A Bick for Her, for which part of the blurb read thusly. Why does Bick think women need special biros to write with? Who decided Thatcher and Beyoncé were feminist icons? What did Sir Sterling Moss say about women's brains? Some of the areas through which Bridget goes on riff missions in her show, A Bick for Her. Her stand-up special, Stand Up For Her, was released on Netflix earlier this year, 2017. My conversation with Bridget was recorded in September of 2016, last year, at the End of the Road Festival, which takes place in Dorset's very beautiful Llama Tree Gardens. And Bridget was headlining the comedy tent that weekend. And as you'll hear... She was staying in a tent with her two children and her husband. Now, we were sat for our convo in what looked like a tiny front room theatre set. You get them at a few of these kinds of festivals. I know they have them tucked away in the woods at Latitude. Uh, This one was called the Piano Stage. In front of us was an audience of perhaps 150 people trying their best to ignore a drizzle that turned into heavy rain as our conversation progressed. Anyway, we invited a few of them to sit on the floor of our fake front room and share some of the snacks that I had purchased earlier from Tesco's in Salisbury. But for the majority of people, there was simply nothing we could do, and we watched as they became drenched or buggered off. My conversation with Bridget touched on subjects as diverse as her days as a biker lady... Brexit, 
Yay! While everyone was still trying to get a handle on Brexit, I mean, in a way, they still are. Um, We talked about dealing with bored children, and we talked about some quite magnificent celebrity encounters. But they weren't just straightforward celebrity encounters. Three of them came with quite an enjoyable twist. That's towards the end of our conversation. And when we'd finished speaking, I was joined by the musician Steve Mason, who I first met when he was still lead singer of the Beta Band back in the 90s. And I chatted to Steve Mason briefly before he played a couple of lovely songs from his recent solo records. That's coming up at the end of the podcast, or towards the end. Here we go! gentlemen, please welcome Bridget Christie. Aren't they lovely? Yeah, this is a good group of people. So, Bridget, I brought gifts for you. Oh, really? Oh, God, I didn't bring anything for you. That's okay. I mean, you're doing me a big favour coming along and being my guest before you you do your headlining slot this evening. Uh, so I appreciate you coming and doing something like this because that can be kind of a nervous time before you do a, a show like that, isn't it? No. Okay. <laughs> so I got you. This is a fairly random selection. I actually I have to admit to you that I got this from my wife's present cupboard. She, my wife, she has a, my wife has, has a, a present cupboard. <laughs> she puts, she buys things randomly in shops. And then she puts them in the present cupboard and, and then decides who to give them to at Christmas. Do you know, I love it so much. I'm going to show everybody. It's a little um, Wonder Woman... Pencil uh, case. Pencil case. Yeah, or anything. You can put anything. I like pencil cases. I like pencil cases. Do you like pencils as well? Sure. I love stationery. I love stationery. Do you? Yeah, I love it. Do you genuinely love um, stationery? I really love stationery. Sharpies I like. Yeah, I love Sharpies. I don't really like rulers or um, tri- the triangles. No, there's no need. I haven't no got need. many of those. If you need to rule a straight line, you can just use a book or a... Well, anything. I couldn't draw a straight line without anything straight to, you, you, you know. Yeah. That's impressive. <laughs> They're leaving or... Look, this is... We need to pull our socks up. This is not good enough. He's just gone to take some <laughs> no. drugs. There we go. Okay. That's another thing you can do with a pencil case, of course, is put all your narcotics in there. And well, I was going to say, like it's, um, this festival is not like the festivals I used to go to in the 80s. I mean, it's very nice here, you know. But, um, it's well, it's very... more of a family event, though, isn't oh, it? Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh. This festival. Is it? Have you been to this festival before? No. Have you? No, I never have. No. But I, was in, I, I got into the idea because I'm getting a little bit older. No disrespect to the younger people here for whom this is still a relevant and vital experience. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying it's... I'm not saying it's... It's I'm not just, just saying... like a hangout for people who've given up life. 
and walking. No, but I mean, the festivals used to be a bit more, you know, oh, God, I hope I get home alive, you know. Right. Is that what they were like no. for you? Uh, <laughs> yeah, they were more mixed up, you know. I mean, it's, you're all, it's lovely, you know. Everyone's very nice, but I haven't seen one fight yet. Have I'm not saying that's what festivals... <laughs> Well, that is what they used to be about, though, isn't it? Well, and, you know, smack here, you know, cocaine here, you know. Urinating with a gay abandon. naked with fireworks coming out of their bottoms and things. I haven't seen any of that. Did you, but did you go to festivals like that? Did you used to go to Reading and things like that? Well, I was a biker in the 1980s, so um, I didn't go to loads of festivals because I have bone problems. If it's damp, I get um, rheumatic spasms. Yeah. So I'm not good in, you know, being outside. Oh, I'm sorry. Like, sort of... You've seen that film with that little boy who doesn't get out of bed (laughs) because his posh dad... I forget what it's called. There was a book as well. Yeah, that's it. Which one? Secret Garden. The Secret Garden. (laughs) Is that how you describe the Secret Garden? (laughs) Well, I can't go outside. Oh, I can go outside. <laughs> Just learned how to hula hoop in the circus tent. <laughs> Don't take me to a festival. Anyway, but um, yes, I'm like him. Yeah. But older and a different gender. But it tur- with Dickon, it turns out that there's nothing wrong with his legs. He's just sad. <laughs> well. And all it took was <laughs> nature to revitalise him. So, following that comparison, you should be skipping about. Now that you've been reinserted into nature, you should be thinking... Reasserted? Ah, oh, look at the secret no. garden. I can walk. I'm fine. My bones are fine. <laughs> I that hasn't happened. home from here. No, I, I, um, I have... Because I can... Um, my legs can feel rain coming. Oh. <laughs> you know, when I was younger, all my ex-boyfriends used to think I was a witch. What, can you hear them just sort of saying, oh, there's a if there's uh, rain cold front moving coming, in from the... my legs will ache. Really? And I can know when a thunderstorm's coming as well. Because and your legs And I know when the ice cream van is coming as well. <laughs> so it's just a joke. <laughs> so are you genuinely suffering at... Because you're camping, right, with your family? Oh, Yeah, I'm, I'm camping, yeah. And are you uh, someone that camps regularly anyway? Never. Right. I hate it. So this is like torture for you. Yeah, I'm really miserable here. Oh, I hate sorry. it. I hate the people. <laughs> it's very white, isn't it? Anyway, not that there's... But it is very... I'm not saying... You hate white people. No, I'm just saying there's a lot of white people here. It's yeah. odd. God, you're Don't racist. do you think so? Listen, it's the sort of festival that would be in Midsummer Murders. That's why... <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it, though? I got, I like, it's like that festival in Midsummer Murder. No, anyway, let's move. So, Wellingtons, I got these... I'm more <laughs> interested in you being a biker chick. Oh, well, I wasn't like a, like a chick chick. Yeah. But um, my nickname was um, Leather Ass, because I wore leather trousers yeah. in case I came off my motorbike. Well, that's just sensible. But it is sensible. But I wasn't in the Hells Angels or anything. I'm so from Gloucester, is... so like the equivalent was the Warm South Lines. But they weren't like an illegal sort of anarchist group. They just had... Uh, Picnics. Uh, <laughs> ferret. They went round with pet ferrets and, you know, rode round and went... Uh, uh, like that. Did you make the noises of the bike yourself while you were on the bike? <laughs> 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 But what did the lifestyle entail then? I mean, did you hang out and talk it's about not, bikes it was just and a, do you mechanics? Know, there weren't many options for someone in... Glo- well, you know, you were either a goth, which I was as well for a bit, yeah. and then 
Well, it's mainly about having um, a bike. And were your parents biker folk? <laughs> were they from Biker Grove? No, they're <laughs> Irish Catholics. Does that preclude they're motorcycles? They're not allowed to be bikers. <laughs> right. Were they not worried um, about you, though? I, I wasn't. I was a very sensible young person. Yeah. But I was very independent. I left school and home very early and got a job. Well, lied about my age and got a job. I just liked being away and um, didn't do drugs or broke the law. I did break the law, but not... Which law not did you break? Shoplifting, but it wasn't anything to do with be, being a biker. What did you shoplift? Uh, makeup. Oh, come on. <laughs> makeup. Which bit of makeup? What were you trying to do? They're not in- I don't think they're interested. I'm interested. Mascara. Mascara. Well, okay, my, I, I'm the youngest of nine children, yeah. and my older sister said it was really easy and that we should just go and get loads of stuff from Woolworths. So uh, I thought, oh, this is easy. I just filled up my pockets and no one stopped me, and then I stopped filling them up and a hand went on my shoulder, and I was arrested and she ran away. And I was put into a small, like, cupboard for ages while the police came. And um, I thought, oh, no, because my mum and dad were really stri- quite strict. And then my dad came down to get me and just said, oh, why did you do that? I said, oh, I don't know. It was really weird. I never, I really couldn't work out why they were so strict about things, but then they sort of laughed at me being arrested. <laughs> really odd. Were you not just I, absolutely bricking it when you... When, when I, I knew that dad was coming. And the cops and everything. Oh, the cops. Yeah, they, they just treated me like any, like a gangster. That's terrifying. Well, not compared to, you know, other... Don't start comparing it to other things. I'm invested in that uh, moment, and it's terrifying. I once shoplifted some chewing gum. Chewing gum? Yeah. Oh, God. And you because, got caught? Well, it, no, it, it had fallen on the floor of the shop out of the rack. And so I thought, oh, it's free now. It's still in the shop, though. <laughs> yeah. It didn't bounce out of the door. No. <laughs> but in my mind, I just tried to shift the logic boundaries a little bit. And I thought, that's free chewing gum now, because it's out of the shelf. So I can have it. How I old mean, are you? Maybe six. 45. <laughs> Four. No, this is last week. Uh, <laughs> no, I still do continue to, to, to justify and rationalise certain things that I know are not acceptable in, in a similar way, but it's, it's watered down. But that was it in its purest form. Just me thinking, that's on the floor, so it's, I can have it. And I knew absolutely that I couldn't. And, uh, but you took it. So I took it, put it in my pocket, got home, and then my dad saw me with the chewing gum. He's like, what are you, I didn't buy you chewing gum. What are you doing with chewing gum? I said, it was on the floor. It's free. Did he march you back down to the shop? No, he made me burn it. <laughs> Did he make you burn it? He made me put it on the fire. Really? So that I just sat there watching all the silver gold charred and black, uh, the silver foil and the gum melting over the fake coal Ooh. in the uh, fire. Well, did that go in then? That he... Yeah, it did. But it seemed like, what's the point of burning it? That's a waste. What are you going to say he made you eat it all in one go yeah. <laughs> and then swallow it? <laughs> made me smoke it. <laughs>
tension. Oh, it's going to oh. start raining now. The podcats are going to start peeling off. Does anyone want my um, it is now, jacket? It, we're, we're here at the end of the Has road festival, listeners. I'm going my jacket. And it is now, and, and we're in a little, how would you describe this area, Bridget? Woodland um, opening. Yeah. <laughs> we're in a woodland opening, and there's a small stage. Uh, it's like a theatre set of a weird front room with some comfy sofas. does look nice. And our audience is sat out here in front of us, the podcats. But, there they are. But it is now raining. So I feel bad for them. I and do too. Luckily, I'm going to cheer them up because I'm going to give them some rosemary breadsticks. Do you like breadsticks? Oh, I don't know. They're all right, I suppose. <laughs> Were you looking at your watch? No. I'm just trying to inject a note of rock and roll really into the nice proceedings. <laughs> I'm going to throw a rosemary breadstick into the crowd. They're going to go nuts. Hey! Do you want to throw one, Bridget? Yes, please. Whoa! <laughs> this is intense, isn't it? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Jimi Hendrix, he wouldn't have had the guts. No. Now... You've just got back from the Edinburgh Fringe. I did. What's the name of your show that you were up with this year? Oh, well, it all went sort of wrong this year. So I was doing a show about my death, mortality and things, and then we voted to leave, and um, everything that I had written didn't seem relevant or important. And so I sort of wrote a new show. So you had more or less July... Just no, July. because July was on holiday, really, so it was... So you wrote your whole Edinburgh show in more or less two weeks? Well, um, yeah, sort of a couple of weeks. So what, what was the process then? Did you sit down and think, OK, so I can't uh, whiffle on about my own death, I want to talk about no, the this referendum? Is so, well, I gig every night, so I work most nights, and yeah. the rooms felt different. And, so, and then on the, on the night, the 24th of June, on the Friday, I had a gig in Soho, and I, th- I didn't know whether people would want to not think about it. But I, I went on, and I did about half an hour on, on it, and um, people seemed quite to want to talk about it or at least listen. I thought that actually feminism was quite polarising a subject to do, but actually it turns out that um, Brexit is more Because, <laughs> I mean, even within your audi- my audience, it's split. It's been split quite evenly between... Uh, leave them uh, votes and remain. So it's very interesting. It'll be interesting to tour this show. How, how, how are you made aware of that, though, when you're doing a gig? Well, because you can see people who are really angry are they looking at you. But, like, yeah, just sort of folding their arms, fight. shaking their heads. Oh, just absolutely furious. I mean, for me, the Brexit thing was... Uh, I understand, I mean, I feel the same upset and a sense of outrage that a lot of people did, but I don't necessarily see that it's useful to sort of demonise immediately all those people that didn't... Who is saying that, though? Well, I'm just looking on social media and I'm seeing people, Remainers, sort of going, you bellends, you know what I mean? <laughs> you morons, you, you know, you, you've ruined everything, sort of directing all their anger at the people at that the voted people. leave. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't just about leaving the E. It was about loads of things. It was about inequality, people feel, feeling disillusioned with the political class, that there's nobody that represents them. It was kind of almost, I think, for a lot of people, was a protest vote. 
So that's all fine. And, you know, who do you blame? Like, Labour? Like, how far back do you go? Do you go back to Thatcher? How far back do you go? The point is, the campaign itself was shameful and embarrassing. And this is both sides. I mean, this is what I talk about in the show, as well as being a ludicrous, absurd figure. Um, is that there was no information, and that really worried me. And I'm really worried also about this kind of idea that um, experts were somehow inauthentic and trying to get one over on ordinary working people. I'm working class, right, and uneducated. I left school at 15, I've got no qualifications, and I didn't go to university, right? And I agree with you that a lot of people who voted... Sorry, this is not funny at all. But, it doesn't, but it's, it's, it's but interesting. A lot of people who voted to remain... But, right, so society is made up of individuals. There were an equal amount of twats on both sides, on remain and leave, okay? But we have to admit, with the five-fold increase in race hate crime since the vote, that there were a, min- a minority of people in the leave camp who were voting for not noble or legitimate reasons. Mm-hmm. And I think it is okay for us to criticise them. And if they're racist, they need to be called out on it. doesn't matter whether they're working class or rich. That's my position, right? And I will not have... I agree with what you're saying, but I do not accept parts of the left saying that we cannot criticise a racist if they're working class. That doesn't make any sense. No, but to I don't think talk. anyone's but, talking no, about that. We're talking, we're, we're talking about making generalizations, making a whole group of people that voted that way feel embattled and antagonized when, when they had their own reasons that were nothing to do with racism a lot of the time. Of course, there were a large and very unsavory group of people who felt empowered by Farage and, yeah, uh, and, and Johnson. Yeah. yeah. And, and that was one of the most upsetting things about the whole thing. Yeah. But I don't think you can marginalize all the other people who were invested no, in something else. No, I don't agree else. with that either. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously there will be a, a lot of racists on the Remain side as well. So it doesn't really... It, it was a binary thing and I think that was the problem in or out. Like there was no... There was no you know, the thing that really upset me, I mean, I've, I've actually cried quite a lot about this, but because that um, because of the, the lies, it's easy to make people... In economic downturns, that's when sort of fascism thrives. It's when it's easy to blame immigrants for everything that's wrong with your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've seen that happen in, in, throughout history, and that happening, it's the oldest trick in the book. And that really upset me, that the people who felt disenfranchised and that they had nothing and nothing to lose from leaving the EU, they will be the first people to hit. And also this thing about it being undemocratic. It's, we've got, I mean... I am so worried about years and years now of Tory rule and literally no opposition. There's no... They should be annihilated by now. There's nobody saying... Hang on. So so now they're rushing all this stuff. I'm just really... Sorry, I just also snorted. But I'm trying to be optimistic about it as well. It was a democratic vote because it was a plebiscite. So everybody had a vote and that made a difference. But is it democratic if everything that you were told was a lie? I'm not so sure about that. How are you then mining this very emotive <laughs> theme for uh, for laughs? Well, well, I had this idea that um, <laughs> that's basically the show. Don't come. It isn't. It is not at all. <laughs> Five stars. Um, the Scotsman. <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, it is that I've, I, I had this idea that um, I. I I wanted to be optimistic about it and really positive because it's happened, and uh, and and I'm quite I'm normally quite a positive person, and a lot of people were really happy about this result, and and so you know, and um, there's a lot of um, people that I know voted to leave, and they're very ha- happy about it, but um, 
I have this idea that, so I love gardening and nature, and I have this idea that, uh, even though I'm not allowed out in it because of my weird bone problem, but um, yeah, so I talk about nature, but every time I start talking about it, it becomes a metaphor for something okay. to do with Brexit. Right, got you. Yeah. Five stars. <laughs> well, there's a, you know, c- come to the show, I'll be touring. <laughs> What's it called it's now a, then? It's, so it's changed its time. It was called Mortal, and it's now called. Uh, because you demanded it. Right. So it will evolve then over the next it, so year. So I've left space in the show so, um, so that it can um, change because th- things have slowed down now a bit. I mean, we got to the point, it was amazing in sort of end of June, early July where things were happening at such a fast rate. You were having to rewrite your show every night or add bits or take things away. Mm. But I really, I think it's really important that we don't forget. I, I think... Often, you know, some policy will go through and we'll be outraged for a bit. And also, you know, the refugee crisis, we're, we're all, like, so upset by it for a, few, for a few things. It gets a lot of publicity and things, and then people forget and move on. And I don't want us to ever forget how this happened. Basically, you know, a lot of reasons, but one man, a few men's personal political ambitions and, um, and, and lies... And mm. I think that is really, really important because we're not going to know the full consequences of this. And, oh, no, it's really, really It is starting to properly yeah. rain now. It's so. going to affect. Yeah. Uh, you, please don't stay. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, <laughs> nothing's going to happen here. <laughs> we're halfway through the podcast. I think it's going really great. The conversation's flowing like it would between a geezer and his mate. All right, mate. Hello, Giza. I'm pleased to see you. Ooh, there's so much chemistry. It's like a science lab of talking. I'm interested in what you said. Thank you. There's fun chat and there's deep chat. It's like Chris Evans is meeting Stephen Hawking. I, I mean, really chucking it down. some of you can come and sit in this bit. Yeah. Now, you mentioned crying briefly about the whole Brexit thing. Oh, yes. Do you love to cry? Do you cry I a lot? What oh, do you, I do. What I was do. the last thing you cried at? Oh, I cried Non-political all the time. thing. Like, not the news. I think... Uh, no. Oh, I, um, I cry at uh, beauty as well. I yeah. cry at acts of You're humanity. You're by wonderfulness. Yeah. Can you remember what the last wonderful thing that moved you to tears was? Yes, it was a thought, so I don't think that's the same thing. <laughs> One of your own thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, my I've thoughts just had amazing. the most amazing <laughs> thought... <laughs> I no, think I'm going to start crying because of my, a, it was my a, own it, genius. <laughs> no. It was a memory of something that okay. I had this morning. Yeah. Right. I mean, you and I were a similar age, sort of uh, yes. hovering around the mid to late 40 zone. <laughs> and, I'm uh, enjoying it. Are you? I mean, I enjoy some things about it, okay. but I have noticed that my control over my... Um, don't look at my groin. Well, you went control over my... Well, actually, no, that's not been a problem yet. <laughs> I still have control over, over the Netherlands. but The Netherlands? That's what I call that area. Oh. <laughs> it's a little fun racism. Um, <laughs> but what I don't have control over is my emotions. Oh. And that's just gone totally out of the window. So, so now there are things that just set me off crying. Mm, easily, yeah. Like a switch has been flicked and there's nothing I can do, you know. I know, you howl and you can't stop. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like that. But do you think... Have, you've got children, haven't you? Yeah, I do, Do you yeah. think it's getting older and having children? It, I'm sure it makes it more intense, you yeah. Are you aware of the 
so passing of time yes. and the futility of the pursuit yes. of happiness. Yes! It's so bittersweet, though, isn't it? Because there's a, w w when you have children, I don't know if you feel this, mm. there, it's mainly about hanging out for the little moments of perfection and contentment when they are and say something sweet and do something sweet. And when, or when you're a unit and you're all getting on well, but generally, it's the routine is a bit of a slog, and you're just oh, it's... no one is ever happy. At, you know, the, not everybody is happy at the same time. There's always one outlier who's going through a phase, or hates you, or yeah. has some other problem. You know what I mean? I mean, they are. I mean, obviously, you know, we all love our children, but um, yeah, I, I mainly prefer. Well, I enjoy them much more when they're asleep. Yeah. <laughs> I, I used to think that they would be like mini-me's almost, and that they would be my best friends. You know, they, they would absolutely unquestioningly think How that I was brilliant. Uh, they are 8, 12, and 14. Oh, wow. wow. So, um, and there are times, you know, when they do think I'm brilliant, but then there are a lot of times when they clearly think I'm just a tool. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, you know, and they, and they might have a point a lot of the time. Oh. That's the thing, is that I clearly I can be a tool, right? Like most of us can. And they're aware of that just as anyone else would be. But it's sort of heartbreaking when, when it's your own flesh and blood and they're looking at you and they're thinking, oh, you tool. I know. Daisy's only five, but she's, she's rolling her eyes. At is she? Not a lot. I mean, we, we get on... But I, I also, I think it is quite odd, though, as well, to assume that you'll get on. I mean, we're all individual. Exactly. You know, uh, and also, because we don't have any family, I don't know if you have any breaks from yours, but we literally, we don't have any time apart ever. Right. And we, we don't have sort of full-time childcare either, so... Yeah. It's, but, no, I mean, I'm, I'm lucky. I do enjoy it, but... I get to go away and do things like this, and then I get a couple well, no, of days off. no, mine are here. Yeah. No, I've... I've... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've had my children at festivals before, and it's it's really really stressful if you're doing a show as well. I'm thinking of faking my own death so that I can have a, <laughs> so that I can read a book <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> no, it is. It's exhausting. Anyway, <laughs> so we got into this by talking about crying, though. Oh, crying! Yes. Is there a bit of music that always makes you cry? Oh God, we ca I can't talk about it. Because you'll go on, just try. No, I don't want to. Do I have to? Yeah, you have to. Why? Because I'm interested. I'm, I want to know. I'm fascinated. I can't. Please. I don't think I can say it. Can you not say it? I don't say, think can I can you say the band? Out. No, it's just. All right, I can say it if I do this. This is not going to lift it from Brexit or what? <laughs> don't worry. I've got some great questions that All will. All right, I ha okay. I can't listen to. Um, Credence Clearwater Revival. Which one? <laughs> uh, Bad Moon Rising. <laughs> no, put a candle in the window. I can't remember what it's called. Is that Long As I Can See the Rain? Yes, because right. um, my mum, who died in 1997, yeah. had very long illness with cancer. We used to um, listen to it a, a, a lot. And, sh and I used to remember hearing it before I got up because she would be... Um, she would have already put it on. And, uh, so that sets I you off. To it. Yeah, she was, we, we were very close. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, it's, it's funny, it's sort of, I think, music and so things I can't smell either that remind me of Oh, her. really? Yeah. Got olfactory emotion. 
Yeah, it's, it is amazing, though, that because sometimes I feel that I'm dead inside because things that affect other people don't affect me. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes I, I don't get excited by things that other people do. Yeah. Or I'm not pleased. Or, or like people say, oh, you're not really pleased about that. No, I feel completely neutral about it. Right, okay. Or... <laughs> Does anyone so, else get so that? do you think I you're able to? I might to, be depressed or something. Do you but, think you're um, able to uh, feel sort of negative or or difficult, sad emotions easier than you are happy ones? Oh yes, My, maybe you're yeah. anhedonic. <laughs> yeah, maybe something. Like, but but I'm glad that when I do smell something or that I'm maybe I'm. Um, What's the smell that makes you cry? Feet. <laughs> Oh, it's a perfume. It's a specific perfume that she used to have in her bag. Oh, mate, so it's all about your ma. Yeah, I'm pretty all right with a lot of other things, actually. But I I find nature generally quite... You know, if I see a bee or something, I'll be Mm -hmm. like, oh, God, look after the bee. (laughs) You know, try and catch it and put it somewhere where... Like, feed it milk and stuff, you know. (laughs) A biscuit. Keep going, mate. Go on. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, oh, there's a butterfly. I mean, also, I'm like the speed at which things are changing. It's like, our, uh, do you remember? You would drive somewhere with your parents, right? And you'd have to keep getting out to wipe the windscreen because there'd be all bugs and flies and stuff. There's nothing anymore, ever. You could drive from like Cornwall to Scotland, without having to wipe your windscreen once. That could be because of windscreen technology <laughs> evolving. Well, I'm not prepared to believe that it's... That it's are you not? No, well, I'm just saying, I'm putting it out there, there might be a less depressing explanation. Well, there's some sort of like humming device in It might be that, that things can... are getting better. What about that? They've, yeah, it might be a humming device. It might be some sort of force field, is what I'm saying. There's a force field yeah. on the new cars. On new, yeah. And it's a benign it's force field. It doesn't kill them. It just discourages them. Yeah, from, that I like from that. hitting your yeah. windscreen. That's nice. Do you cry? Do you happy about things? If good things happen to you, do you get? No, excited? I know what you mean. I, I I think it gets harder and harder the older you get. And then, unfortunately, when the good things happen, you're so overwhelmed that you start crying. So it's, it's much harder to be happy-go-lucky than it used to be, you know what I mean? <laughs> to just think, hey, hey, this is fun! Now it's all, as soon as something great happens, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, I'm going to die. <laughs> I'm all right about dying, though, are you? No. Oh. <laughs> you can't avoid it. I know, that's the bad thing. <laughs> that's the thing that makes me sad. I think it's... right. I don't mind the actual thing. I don't mind not existing. It's just the build-up. <laughs> but if you don't... So do you think you exist now? Yeah. <laughs> what, are you, what are you playing with my mind? Wait, now I'm looking around. I'm sitting in the woods <laughs> in a weird no. theatre set <laughs> surrounded by look. podcasts. No. Maybe I don't exist. But do you, no, I think it's because um, my parents never talk to me. Do your kids ask you about death a lot? Mine do. Uh, they have done. My daughter started asking about it and was clearly worried. Oh, right. And was just. I mean, she says a few, she said a few times, "I don't want you to get old." And like one at one point, she said, "Are you always going to have your beard?" And I said, "Well, I don't know, maybe." <laughs> 
And she said, you look a lot younger without your beard. I saw a photograph of you and you looked a lot younger without your beard. <laughs> I said, well, I know, I know that's true, but uh, why? Don't you like my beard? And she said, well, I just, it reminds me that you're getting old. Oh, really? I don't want you to get old. And I said, well, it's okay, everyone. We're all going to get old. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with being old. Um, and then she, she thought about it. And then the next night, she made a big song and dance out of tugging on my beard saying, I love your beard, Daddy. Did she? You right. should never shave it off. You look great with your beard. <laughs> it's so good. So she's, you know, processing it all. Yeah. Mine, mine never asked from really little about it. Mm. I and mean, what do you say? I say, yes, you're going to die, and so am I. Yeah. So there was never a question. I, I of course. Tell, of course, you've tell, got to be honest. I think, right, this is what I think, that... Young kids, like kids are really smart. They're really clever. They're much more robust than we think they are. I was excluded from what my parents perceived as grown-up conversations. And I think that if you think it's not going to traumatise them, then I think that you can talk about things in a way that's really good for them so it doesn't become this unknown, fearful thing that is much worse than their own imaginations. Like, I was terrified about death. My, so, my, my son is nine now. I don't ever remember really talking to him about death, but he said to me, apropos of nothing of the day, Mum, I just wanted you to know that I'm completely fine with death. I mean, mine, yours, it's inevitable. There's no point in worrying about it. Can I have a, some fudge? Um, <laughs> and I was really pleased about that. Because Daisy, she's five, and it does... Like it does actually, the thought that really does upset me is it's like me dying and they're not okay about it, that they're absolutely devastated. So yeah. I'm actually trying to, because we get on, so I'm trying to pull away from them emotionally, you know, so that <laughs> it's not such a big loss when I've gone. You know, it's like, oh yeah, it's a shame mummy's gone, she was nice. Yeah. Still, there's always crisps, you know, that sort of. This could be the answer to all your problems. You go, you can have an affair, just go on a total bender, have lots of fun, alienate your entire family, yeah. and then they'll be fine with you dying. Well, yeah, I think it's a really good idea. It's a brilliant plan. No. But da so Daisy said, Mum, are you going to die? This was not long ago. She's only five. Yeah. She hasn't got any grandmothers. That Both grannies have died. So I thought, well, if I say no, that's going to lead on to another question. Kids are great about questions. Like, one question leads on to another question, leads on to another question. That's why you can't. You might as well just... So I said, yes. Yes, I am. And I wonder what... Oh, should we have a quiz? And she went, oh. She was quite taken aback, but she was, oh, right, okay. And then she said, so if you're going to die, am I going to die? And I thought, oh, my God. And I just said, yes, <laughs> loser. And then we were... <laughs> She, and she laughed. She momentarily was a bit, you know, oh. And then we played. So that's done now. They know that that's going to happen. No, but I feel that that part of my pet is done. Yeah. You know, that I've not lied about. I don't want them to... What about giving them some other encouraging stuff to cling on to? Like, for me, it's life expectancy, right? It's always yeah. getting longer. So I'm saying yeah. to them, and not lying, yeah. that, you know, there's a good chance you'll live to 100 if you look after yourself and, you know, we don't all get killed in a, a nuclear firestorm. Yeah. Uh, generally, I leave that bit out. But I say, I say you know, you, you're, you're probably going to live to 100. By the time you're 100, you're going to be begging to die. <laughs> Here, how do you deal with this one, right? And I'm sure this happens to you. Mom, Dad, this generally happens uh, after I've taken, after I've told the children that they have to switch off either the TV or the computer yeah. or a device or whatever. 
And then, so they go, and they complain for a while, and then they gloop around, and then they go, I'm bored, there's nothing to do. And you say, what do you mean nothing to do? There's loads, you've got loads. There's everything, we live out in the country, you've got bikes, it's sunny outside, there's, you can do great stuff, you've got ridiculous amounts of toys, you're spoiled, you live a privileged existence. Don't tell me there's nothing to do. How do you deal with that, though, in your house when they say that? Oh, totally lose my shit. Yeah. I mean, I, I you know, I, I think the neighbours might be worried about the children. What do you say, though? There's just no discussion. I had a stick when I was their age. That's what I had. A stick and one bear. And a bear? Yeah, one bear and a, you know... There was nine of us, so we didn't have loads of stuff. An actual bear. Because <laughs> that would be amazing. I'm not a forester. I'm from Gloucester. Um, I say, um, I've got this thing where I'll say, I'm going to say this once, and I speak, sl- like I sort of s- quietly threaten them, like probably a, a murderer would or something. Yeah. So I don't Do you get right up in their shank, face? Because it's bad for, for, like, my heart pounds when I get really angry. Yeah. So I... I calm myself first and I go come here I'm saying this once and once only go away from me (laughs) literally no laughing either go away don't speak to me or ask me I don't want to hear you or see you for at least four days (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but because I'm because to be honest with you kids I'm frightened for you at this point in time are you shaking when you say this oh that they know yeah, yeah I get a look yeah I get and is that is that coming it from the heart or are you pre- or are you pretending that no, are you acting no 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 I'm not pretending <laughs> no because they've got no concept of boredom these kids I mean, I know this is a sad thing to start saying, like trotting out all the exact same stuff that your parents said, like, oh, these kids. But you know what I said the other day? You'll get a clip around the ear hole. (laughs) I don't even know what that means. You'll get a thick ear. What's a clip around? What around? What you get a clip and go? I don't (laughs) understand. Or there'll be hell to pay. What? And shaking my finger like that. Yeah. Or um, wait until your father gets home, (laughs) whoever he is. Jingle break, it's a break from the podcast In between the next bit and the bit that was last Every now and then you have to take a little rest Otherwise you're going to get tired and depressed Take a look around, think that you exist Think about the person you last kissed Right, that's it up now, think about keys Think about sausages, think about trees Think of alien vehicles moving out in space Think about the wonder on the little baby's face And now think of Stevie Wonder's face on the baby Oh man, it's just oh, it's an really extra not bit fair. of rain just came down there. Oh, <sighs> you're getting so wet. Yeah, it's pretty harsh. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> you see how people? Yeah, it's pretty harsh. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, it's bad. I read your book recently, Thank and you. I was shocked by the amount of horrible things that have happened to you 
from just random people, like strangers. And I, I was thinking, I mean, obviously that's partly to do with the fact that you're a woman. Most men generally don't get creepily hassled the way that women do on a regular basis. But also you've had some various physical altercations. But it's random, though. I mean, I, I don't take random acts of violence against me personally. It's no. not personal. I was I, being I'm not suggi- I, I just think you... Yeah. It sounds like you've been unlucky. <laughs> you've been mugged. Yeah. I mean, a lot I've, of people have been mugged, I've I guess, bottled. sadly. You've been bottled? Yeah. What happened in the mugging? Because you had some teeth bashed out. I had my front teeth knocked out. How was that? How, how was it? Like, how, how did they... <laughs> not like, how hilarious. was it, as, as in, was it terrific? But it was, um, how did they bash your teeth out? Well, with, uh, that's how... With the force. With a punch, with fist a punch. punch? Yeah. What? Oh, it's fine. Look, it's fine. I was not bothered at the time. In fact, because I, I hadn't realised, because I was in the street. How old were you? Um, not that there's a good age. 20, <laughs> 24, 25. Oh, my God. Well, the, it's... Look, okay. Right. I was a, a very poor student, and I had £5 in my pocket, and I didn't want to give it to him. He said, give me all your money. I said, I don't have any. And he said, you do? I saw you taking it out of the cash point, which was ages ago. And I said, no, I think you've mixed me up with someone else. I've got one of those faces. I have got one of those faces. <laughs> Do you know, the amount of pe- really famous people think that they knew me, like... Oh, I went through this phase in my late 20s of, like, Mal Brooks and um, people saying, you didn't tell me you were here. I was like, oh, I... What, Mel Brooks came over and, and thought he recognised you? Yeah, and um, Ray Liotta ran about three miles towards me on a beach once. Are you making this up? No. I <laughs> see, right. When I was in my late... Tw- this is before I did any... any before I was working... I'm sorry, I worked in offices between 15 and 35. That was my income. I didn't earn money from comedy until I was 40. And so I always had a day job. And so in my late 20s, I just had office jobs. And I went on holiday... Well, I was travelling with my ex, and we were on a beach in America. (laughs) This man sort of started waving. And my ex said, is that Ray Liotta? And I said... (laughs) And as he ran towards us, I was like, yeah, it is Ray Liotta. He's much shorter than he looks in films. Anyway, he ran up to me and sort of grabbed me by my shoulders and said, hey, man, you never told me you were here. Come to that... I said, oh, well, I've just got in, you know. (laughs) And I... He said, we're rapping in a minute, so that like he was shooting a film. And then um, he said, we're, a load of us are coming to the house. Promise me you'll come to the house. I said, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> My ex was there going, and you never s- told me you were close friends with Ray Liotta. I said, I'm not, I'm not friends with Ray Liotta. Did I he obviously say- look like someone in like a dog walker or an escort in Hollywood or something <laughs> and he didn't say like oh your accent's changed or that I must there must be someone that I'm really really like right. yeah but it happened all within about one month so there was Ray Liotta on the beach there was um, John Cleese outside the radio theatre in New York this is all in the same trip right my ex was like okay what's going on here like <laughs> Because we worked at Abbey National in the finance department. <laughs> he thought I had this, like, weird past. <laughs> John Cleese was going in to film something. You know, they have live recordings. And he went past... I remember he was had, like, this beige Mac on. And I was just standing there with all the other, like, people going, there's a famous person. And he went... <laughs> See you later. I was like, yeah, all right. 
And then um, <clears throat> Mel Brooks, when the producers... The, the, when was this, like... I don't know, early noughties or something, when the producers first went to the West End? Uh-huh. So he was in the stalls, and I was, like, way back, and he went, hey! And made loads of people get up as he was running along a row. I thought, oh, he's not coming... He's not making all these people get up to come and talk to me because I, I don't know Mel Brooks. Anyway, so all these people got, ran over and said, I didn't know you were coming tonight. They didn't tell me. I was like, who the hell do they think you are? <laughs> I don't know. I bet it's the same person that they all know, though. This person that you aren't. I bet it's just one person, one and, person. and she and this person knows Ray Liotta and, really and nice. John Cleese. She's really nice. Oh, she's got something on them. Right. Yeah. But my favourite odd thing that happened with a really famous person was with Gene Wilder, who was one of my favourite. Um, he put his hands around my throat once and pretended to strangle me. Whoa. And I went along with it. I was going... Like that. But That's he didn't think one. you were someone else. No. He, he was just... This was his idea of no, fun. No, he knew yeah. it was me. Yeah. Okay. So that was a... It was and was, like he, a, was he rocking you back and forth and you're going... Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, like that. It was oh, great. Good times. One of the best moments of my life, really. Oh. What were we talking well, about? Well, we were talking about... Sorry. We got into oh, about this... about being punched. About yeah. being punched. Yeah. And it doesn't... I see it as... I, I see good things and bad things that happen to us as all random acts that should all be dealt with. It's like as life experience and the things that... You don't get hung up on any Informed. one thing. But, I, I mean, how long... Practically, though, how long did it take you to... Because you could very easily just get really upset and traumatised. No, but I, I don't that, want you? to be defined by things that... Th- like, it's not my problem, is it, that someone's punched my teeth out? It's not my problem. And I think it's much harder to deal with bad things that you've done. You carry that with you much more than you do receiving... But I don't know, that's just me. It's different for everybody. But I think, don't hang on to stuff. Like, life is short, as we've discussed. I'm going to die. Why <laughs> be bothered about this moment in time that was about someone else and their life and the issues that, that they have and not really anything about me? It's sort of the same as trolling. That, that's not my... The people, the people who hate me it isn't my problem. I'm nothing to do with it. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, I think that's a great philosophy. It, and what, but, but it took me a long time to get to that point. It was only because there was so much hate that I thought, OK, uh, there's two ways out of this. I stop speaking, or um, well, they're not going to stop. So the only way to deal with it is, that, is to see it as white noise that is not real. And being punched, this guy had obviously a much worse life than me. I could clearly see that he did. And he needed that money for something that I didn't need it for. It's move on from it, get my, get my teeth. Actually, I did need gum surgery. And I did go to St. Thomas's Hospital for emergency NHS teeth. Guys, you don't want, you don't want NHS temporary teeth. They might as well have just put two cornflakes on the front of <laughs> glued them on like that. It did cost me, because I needed gum surgery and everything right. that I had to pay for. Oh, man. So that was like, it was inconvenient, but it didn't... And I know that everybody's different. You know, everyone deals with, like, trauma or an attack differently, and that doesn't mean that, um, that of course, they should Everyone's going to be able happen. to bounce back, yeah. right. 
But try not to carry things with you, I think. I think on that inspiring and philosophically <laughs> positive note, we're going to wrap our conversation with Bridget up. Let's oh. have a big round of applause. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for coming. It's so nice Haven't to talk to you, great? Bridget. Thank These you are... for staying in this yeah. terrible rain. What a legendary audience. Back at the end of the road festival here at the so-called piano stage out in the woods at Llama Tree Gardens. That's the name of the place, right? Yes. Um, and it is really, really raining. And uh, our group of podcats has been somewhat whittled down because of the extreme weather. But I'm very pleased to say that we've been joined as a musical guest by Steve Mason. How are you doing, Steve? I'm very well, thank you. Man, it's so nice to see you. You too. One of the last times I saw you, Peter Band came on to GLR years ago when I was doing a, um, a bit of covering for some DJ. And I was very excited that you guys had agreed to do it. And then, and, and then what happened? And then you just swore. Right, oh, really? it was going out live, and you just started swearing your tits off throughout. Really? I can't remember what song it was, but it was all like, "Who knows the motherfucker?" And this producer, this producer lady, who was really quite—I'd never worked with her before—and she didn't. She clearly thought like I was a moron. So is that the reason why this is the—that's the last time you saw it? You saw me? Yeah. Right. <laughs> And she can, said, you swear, can we swear on this one? You can. You can say whatever you want. You can go nuts. I, I don't want to swear now. <laughs> All right, yeah, it's too late. Um, but yeah, she was she was very angry, and oh, she was sort of angry with yeah. me as well because she was like, "You got them on. You said they were. I was like, no, no, it's the Peter Band. They're yeah. brilliant." She said, "Well, they, they, it's going out live." Yeah, I don't, she, you know what? I don't even remember that. No, she, I, I remember we came. You were doing a little thing for Adam and Joshua, I think. Oh yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you were like this. A German uh, rock journalist. I was I was pretending to be Zane Lowe. Oh yeah 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 <laughs> yeah. That was it. Yeah. And I went and just yeah. asked you a load of uh, ridiculous questions and um, and you pretended to get angry with me. I did a thing for Zane Lowe uh, on the MTV thing once and he was sit, he sit on this couch. I think everyone does it. You sit on the couch and then and then you're sitting next to him and he's talking away and going and you're sitting there and then, and then he goes and now we're going to cut to the VT and Steve's new video and he cuts to the VT and he literally goes <laughs> just shuts down like a robot I said to him so you know how are you doing you alright you alright he's like <laughs> and, then, and then the video cuts off and back on like wow it's entertainment bot three zero weird that's how you maintain he's a professional well you give too much Steve yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you're playing tonight at end of the road yes have you got a band with you yeah yeah, yeah I've got uh, Bodge Greg Elliot and Darren 
Bodge is my favourite. Bodge is my favourite too. Um, and what are you going to play for us this afternoon? Are you okay to play a couple of songs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm very under-rehearsed. The trouble with doing the festivals is you, you don't get any rehearsals in between, so I never really know what I'm doing. But yeah, I'll definitely attend something. Yeah. All right, good one. Yeah. So if you could introduce this for us, that would yeah. be great. So I'll do one that I think I know. So this is called Oh My Lord from uh, Monkey Minds and Devil's Time. I don't know what to feel, my sister. Am I a child? What, my sister? Why should I cry for my own life? Just a boy with a knife in his eye. You don't see all the loss when he weeps. Oh, my Lord, forgive me. Oh, my Lord, forgive me. My Lord, forgive me. Oh, my Lord, forgive me. I've lost the flow, my brother. Should I know where to go, my brother? Why should I cry for my own life? Just a boy with a knife. In his eye, you don't see all the loss when he weeps. I still reach for the sky with a tear in the eye. And there's a passage through the black. Yeah, is that sunlight through the crack? Oh, and if I pick up my speed and make a break for the tree, the sight for sorrow, a master bow. When you win, you love forever. My Lord, forgive me. Oh, my Lord, forgive me. Oh, my Lord, forgive me. Oh, my Lord, forgive me. I still reach for the sky with a tear in the eye. And there's a passage through the black. Yeah, is that sunlight through the crack? Oh, and if I pick up my speed and make a break for the tree, a sight for sorrow, a master borrow. When you win, you're out forever. Oh, my Lord, forgive me. 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 Yay! Thank you. That was great. Thank you. Do you want any snacks? What have you got? Oh, man, I got loads. <laughs> I got... Uh, Chocolate rice cakes. Do you like those? No, man. I like something with uh, some substance to it. You don't need chips. I got... No, I have got crispies. 
I've got crispy slices. They're like fake Garibaldi's. Yes! Apple. I used to live on Garibaldi's at school. Two packets a day at school. That was, that was my... Garibaldi's? Yeah. With the little squashed flies in them? Yeah. Fly pie. That's what my grand used to call it. I got a few uh, rosemary breadsticks. What's going on here? Is this what you're... Uh, I got... Who uh, uh, left... Who let you leave the house this morning with this? I went to Tesco this morning and got this. Almonds? Do you like almonds? I don't know. They're kosher. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that's, that's, that's your lot, I'm afraid. No, I'm fine. Thank you very much, though. So, Steve. Yes. Uh, will you play us one more song? Of course, yeah. And uh, will you introduce it for us? Yes. <laughs> I will. This is uh, from um, the album I have out at the moment, which is called Meet the Humans, and uh, it's called Planet Sizes. I missed out almost too often I missed out and tried again I never really knew before me Never really tried again But I find But I find This time I'm going back again I know my six times table I know where the planets lie I know my planet sizes The universe makes me cry But I find But I find But I find What is left to hide The love we have inside Is just another sign The universe is mine The universe is mine I thought I knew where I came from But I heard that the teacher lied She told me I'm a caved-on ape man No thought to the planet's side And no man made from stardust The monkey sings in the tree you put those things together You won't get close to me But I find But I find But I find What is left to hide The look we have inside It's just another side Wait. 
an advert for Squarespace. Every time I visit your website, I see success. Yes, success. The way that you look at the world makes the world want to say yes. It looks very professional. I love browsing your videos and pics, and I don't want to stop. And I'd like to access your members area. And spend in your shop. These are the kinds of comments people will say about your website if you build it with Squarespace. Just visit squarespace.com slash Buxton for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, because you will want to launch, use the offer code Buxton to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So put the smile of success on your face with Squarespace. Yes. Continue. Rosie, come here, dog dog. Come here, dog dog. She's coming. Her tongue is lolling. She wants to see me. Hello, darling. Do you want a scratch scratch? A scratch scratch? A scratch scratch? On the walk? That's very unusual. It's a big yawn there. All right then, Doggles, we should head back. Come on. It's not a very nice day, is it? Where's the summer? I blame Donald Trump. Anyway, Steve Mason there. He played a great set that weekend, which went down very well at the end of the road festival. And I'm very grateful, by the way, to the organisers of that festival for inviting me along. Me and Seamus Murphy-Mitchell, who helps me out with this podcast, went along. But thank you most especially to Bridget Christie. Thanks very much, Bridget, for appearing on the podcast. Now, it's auto-trumpet tooting time because we won an award. I say we, I guess I'm talking about me and Seamus Murphy-Mitchell who uh, helps me produce this podcast, and Matt Lamont, who helps me edit it, and Acast, who provides a platform for this podcast. I was named a podcast champion of the year, I guess 2016 that would be, uh, at the British Podcasting Awards, or just the British Podcast Awards, their first year celebrating the world of podcasting. 
So I'm very grateful to them for giving me that award. Uh, amongst stiff competition, you know, the likes of Richard Herring, who for me is still the podcast king, uh, who produces consistently hilarious and weird and entertaining shows with all sorts of very funny people on his podcast. I always recommend that to people. Uh, The Beef and Dairy podcast won for the best comedy show. That's a very funny program as well. Uh, You should check it out. Is it okay to call a podcast a program or is that offensive? I don't know. Um... Anyway, there were lots. If you go, I guess if you go to the British Podcast Awards page, you'll see all the people that were nominated and who won. Ramesh Ranganathan, his hip-hop podcast, won an award, I know. And so check that out. But yes, my, my award sort of uh, was in recognition, in recognition of some of the brave, brave work that I've done in the world of podcasting over the years. Not only solo, but... Uh, with Joe Cornish and with people at XFM that helped us out with our podcast and then at the Big British Castle. So all of those were being recognised, I think, by the award. And I I believe I'm right in saying that it was voted for by my fellow podcasters. So that's extra heartening and encouraging. Thanks very much if you voted for any of the categories. I really appreciate it. It all helps to keep the endeavour afloat. But for the time being, and until we're next together, in our old space, please take the greatest of care in this dangerous and uncertain world. Hold hands and don't run. I love you.